Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The Premier League All Access Podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. Stay ahead of all the big games in the best league in the world, the Premier League. With the latest odds, form guides, expert opinions and more. The fans are the players at Ladbrokes. Are you in? Let's go. Play at ladbrokes.com, 18 plus, begambleaware.org. T's and C's apply. This is a game day podcast from TalkSport. Hello and welcome to the Game Day podcast from TalkSport, the ultimate preview of all the weekend's Premier League action. Alongside me, Sam Matterface, this week, the Mirror's assistant editor, Darren Lewis, and TalkSport's Alex Crook. Another crazy comeback sets up a wonderful contest at Old Trafford as Manchester United welcome Liverpool. He approaches the penalty area as he skips past one and then past a second and then a third and gets to the edge of the D, tries oh, a shot and he takes a deflection and he's scored another tremendous goal. Mohamed Salah is in a magnificent moment and he can't stop scoring world-class goals. Game day takes us to Brighton as the champions come to town to test how far Brighton have really come and Chelsea take on Norwich, potentially without Lukaku and Timo Werner. Newcastle start life without Steve Bruce, Leeds take on Wolves and there's a huge derby at the London Stadium. Every game scrutinised with the levels of entertainment only matched by the midweek action at the Wanda Metropolitano. It's the Premier League's best preview, the game day podcast from Talk 4. This is game day. Well, well, well. Gentlemen, what a couple of days. The Champions League providing thrills and spills. Leicester coming back from 2-0 down to win 4-3 in the Europa League. Uh, Manchester United and Liverpool absolutely uh, setting the world alight in terms of entertainment value anyway. And the Steve Bruce era is at an end at Newcastle. And let's start there because in the aftermath of that sacking, Darren, he gave quite an open interview to some of the newspapers. The newspapers whose coverage he was pretty unhappy with. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, he gave, he gave that interview to uh, a chap called Luke Edwards at The Telegraph. Uh, he did very well to get that interview, right place, right time, utilising his contacts to get it. And he was open about the fact that he'd been hurt by the personal nature of some of the criticism. Now, I've got to say, the personal nature of the criticism came more from fans rather than newspapers. We all know in our professional capacity, within media that it would be extremely unprofessional to go anywhere near that kind of thing. And it's not the kind of thing that writers, broadcasters, anyone who works in media would do if they retain any kind of professionalism. But I do understand his concern. People say, oh, well, you got eight million pounds to go, but it's not really about that. You know, you have, it's the club that you served as a boy. It's the club that you hoped you would make where you hoped you would become a success and someone else will come in that doesn't quite have that same affinity with the club. They may well do a good job, but they won't have the same connection with the club. And yet he was booed on the way in. He was booed on the way out. I I feel a degree of sympathy for him. back to Salah again, dancing into the box. He's taking on all comers. He's gone behind past Krafkar. End up on his backside. What a goal! It's magnificent from Mo Salah. Aston Villa may just have won it late in the day at Old Trafford. And the Toffees put Manchester United in another sticky patch. Hatson Dacker, close range. Leicester City 4, Manchester United 2. to be him Cristiano Ronaldo yet again having a good leader is very important I've got my uh, values I've got my way of managing and I believe in myself we want to have a positive result uh, and a positive performance and that's what we are thinking at the moment about Money on the follow up 1-0 Liverpool Greenwood playing in Marcus Rashford 2-1 to Manchester United we've got a game on our hands now 
Manchester United take on Liverpool Sunday, 4.30. Ole Gunnar Solskjaer turns around a 2-0 deficit with calculated well-timed substitutions as United come from behind to beat Atalanta. Fantastic. Uh, look, he deserves scrutiny, mainly because of that first-half display, but I think in the light of the Steve Bruce interview where he talks about even when you win, it's not good enough, I will look forward to this United game by saying this. If Victor Lindelof and Harry Maguire defend like that on Sunday, it does not matter if you score three goals. You will concede five or six because even when they were 3-2 up, 2-2, in the latter part of that game, Manchester United, they presented opportunities to Atalanta, which really the Italians should have taken. And you can't keep getting away with it. The late drama, while fantastic to get swept swept up in as a fan, when it comes to the biggest game, and Liverpool is the biggest game of the season, you can't be relying on Miss Smart Noble penalties in stoppage time. You can't be relying on late Cristiano Ronaldo winners in the Champions League. The only way to beat Liverpool is to produce a cohesive performance from minute one to minute 90. And I'm just not convinced that Manchester United have that in their locker at this moment in time. Well, Manchester United tend to raise their game for these big Titanic matches, don't they? I mean, especially over the course of the last couple of years. How do they nullify a Liverpool attack that is probably the best in the league, Darren, and quite frankly, probably the best in Europe right now? They can't, in a word. In their last nine games, Liverpool have... Well, uh, in their last 12 games, I should say, Liverpool have won nine of them. And in their last nine games, they've scored 30 goals. They scored easily past an Atletico Madrid defence that is way better than Manchester United. They're organised, there's leaders in that team, not just in that defence. And Liverpool scored two goals past them in the first 13 minutes with a minimum of fuss on Tuesday. Nobody's going to convince me that that Manchester United team is going to keep out not only an informed red-hot Mo Salah, but also a Liverpool team that can score from anywhere. I think absolutely Liverpool score on Sunday and it's about whether United can respond. Well, in particular, you mentioned Mo Salah. Nine successive games he's scored in. He's scored more goals in the Champions League than any other Liverpool player. He is over 100 Premier League goals. And he's in one of those moments where everything he touches turns to gold. I've been fortunate enough to commentate on him in the last two matches. He has scored two sensational goals in that period. Um, he, he gets you off your seat every game at present. How do Luke Shaw and Harry Maguire look after him, Crook? Well, Maguire is a big worry. Um, I, I know he scored one of the comeback goals in midweek, but his defending for the, the second goal that Atalanta scored was lamentable. We spoke in depth for the weekend about how bad he was or how unfit he was against Leicester. And I think it's a dangerous opponent when clearly you're still feeling your way back to match fitness. I don't have the same concerns about Luke Shaw. I think he's improved no end as a defender since the start of last season. And you'll have the stats, Sam. Salah's record against Manchester United compared to a lot of the other teams that he faces in the Premier League isn't fantastic. Um, I'll just cling on to that small little beacon of hope. Well, isn't Liverpool's record away at Old Trafford isn't isn't that great under Jurgen Klopp, is it? I mean, from memory, and I haven't got the stats in front of me, but from memory, I, I thought it, it took a little while for them to, to get a first victory there. But last season, I was at the game, um, which sealed the title for Manchester City. And they were absolutely devastating on the counter-attack. And they ripped uh, Manchester United a, a new one. Um, look, Liverpool are one of the best sides in Europe at the moment. And, and Manchester United clearly aren't. But Liverpool failed to beat City and Chelsea. They could have lost both of those. Do Jurgen Klopp's men need a big scalp like this, Darren, just to really underscore their title credentials? No, not for me. Uh, they're well-established already. They've got the best defence in the Premier League so far. We all know that they can score for fun. I think everyone is dizzy about Manchester City and Chelsea and they took their eye off the ball in as far as Liverpool are concerned. I've been saying since last season that the loss of Van Dijk is what cost them the title chances last season. But since the start of the current campaign, you know my views on Liverpool already. They are a complete team. People might have doubts about the depth of their squad but they are winning and that's what puts you in the hunt. So no, they don't need to beat Manchester United. What they need to be on Sunday is ruthless because I think in the past they've shown United far too much respect and that's how they've managed to smuggle points away in matches against their big rivals. Well, one of their big rivals, of course. But I think if they're ruthless, they win this, they move on. Uh, you love Virgil van Dijk and we've been obviously party to the fact that you've said... He is the keystone uh, to this Liverpool team and that uh, he would, on his return, change absolutely everything. 
Well, he tied himself in knots in that first half against Atletico Madrid. His body position was all in the wrong place. He was all at sea. They conceded two goals um, that really they shouldn't have done. Uh, Jota should have given away a penalty, I think, in that game as well. And Naby Keita, far too casual for the two first-half Griezmann goals. Um, do you see it being a sort of high-scoring affair where the two trade blows? I mean, there was six goals in the game the last time these two men at Old Trafford. I think that's United's best hope uh, because I agree with Darren um, for a change. United, incapable, in my opinion, of keeping a clean sheet against this Liverpool team. They're incapable of keeping a clean sheet against any team. And once again, David De Gea made some big saves in midweek, by the way. Atalanta could still have won the game in the second half. Um, so I think, yeah, I think it will be uh, an attacking open game. It will be one where Manchester United fans will probably be watching through their fingernails. But what you, what you can say about Ole Gunnar Solskjaer... Does anyone really watch anything through their fingers? <laughs> it isn't boring. It isn't boring. I do. And on I, the I think through what... their fingers, maybe, behind a, cur- a couch, something like that, behind the sofa, <laughs> through their fingernails. I, I mean, I don't know what your fingernails are like. I imagine you don't cut them very often. But... I don't think I could see through mine, even if I, <laughs> even if I really tried. Build a wall. What with our men? No, with your fingernails. <laughs> <laughs> you, you love, you love a misquoted uh, crooked analogy. Just on Ollie, by the way, I thought he was particularly spiky in his post-match television interview with Des Kelly. When when Des Kelly had the audacity to ask him if the players were playing for their manager, don't don't even start. Don't disrespect the players. I quite liked it. I, I do, I've got to say, I'm going to stick up for Des there because I think Des is asking what everyone else is asking. Yeah. And so I, I think that's journalism. Des has gone in there and actually Solskjaer spun it because it was for Solskjaer to answer the question. He was clever, to be fair, in the way that he answered it because he said it's all about Manchester United, which is true. But I think Des is absolutely right to ask, given the nature of their performances. And you both said it a second ago. Can Liverpool go there and win? Well, Liverpool are undefeated in their last 21 games. United have kept one clean sheet in their last 20 matches. That's a sign of either a group of players that aren't putting in enough of a shift for their manager or a group of players that aren't well coached enough. I think it's the latter because if it were not the case, then those players would have arrested this slump ages ago. But as it is, they turn up for half a game. They get dug out of holes by Ronaldo. It will happen again. The cracks are being papered over at Old Trafford. Uh, well, I don't think anyone can disagree with you after. If you watch that game on Wednesday night, no one can disagree with you. Because the first half, I mean, they had about as much killer instinct as a Quaker. They were dreadful. And then in the second half, somehow, I, don't, I think it was the crowd. They, 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 they got a goal back and then all of a sudden, they, they just seemed to... I mean, it was almost like school football in that second 45. And you could tell that they were going to get back into the game and that eventually they did. Um, there's a little bit more discipline about West Ham United who take on Tottenham on Sunday at two o'clock. It's a huge game at the London Stadium with Tottenham seemingly on the up after dismantling, uh, being dismantled in their last derby with Arsenal. Um, that said, they faced a very generous Newcastle last time out and that won't be the case when they come up against West Ham, Darren. Um, no, West Ham won't be. Listen, that win for West Ham at Goodison Park last week was a very, very, very good win. I don't think people realise how good a win that was because any Rafa side you play against is tough, well-organised, hard to beat. So for West Ham to go there and win is one thing. For West Ham to go there and win against a side coached by Rafa, I, I think that's a tremendous win and, and puts them in a great shape for Sunday's game. And I think Spurs will find it hard. Uh, David Moyes gets his tactics right. David Moyes will find out ways to shut off the supply line to Son and to Kane. Kane is off the mark, which is, if you're of a West Ham persuasion, a concern. And for Spurs, it'll be great. But, you know, I look at that forward line with Antonio leading it and he is going to cause that Spurs defence all kinds of problems. I think this will be a hugely entertaining warm-up for Man United-Liverpool. Uh, West Ham's home record has not been great this season though, taking just four points from 12. Why is that, Crook? I can't really put my finger on it and we're recording this before um, their Europa League game on Thursday night. I think they've suffered defeats in both of their previous matches coming off the back of a European game so perhaps that could go some way to explaining it, although David Moyes does shuffle his pack uh, for those European encounters. They are the clean sheet kings, aren't they, um, West Ham, this week, um, having kept that shutout uh, at Goodison Park. I think they've got a similar record to the one that um, Darren Lewis bemoaned about Manchester United, but we won't focus too much 
on that. They were excellent against Everton. I was particularly impressed with Kurt Zuma and that partnership that he's starting to form with Bonner. You know how much I love Declan Rice. And this was one of the games of the season um, last year. I remember being on air on the boot room with Tottenham fan Darren Ambrose, who at one stage was pretty much tying the ribbons on the trophy for Tottenham. And then Lanzini comes up with that incredible equaliser. So I'm expecting entertainment. Uh, obviously, both teams in European action on Thursday, which may impinge on things. But I think it is an ominous sign for West Ham that Harry Kane was back in the groove last weekend. We know he's a striker who tends to get goals in patches. So, yeah, this is going to be tough for, tough for West Ham. And it, it will be a test of where Tottenham really are because Newcastle was pretty much a walkover last weekend. Can I just, can I just correct you there? I said You said that West Ham's record was similar to Man United's. West Ham have kept five clean sheets in their last eight games. You know that, don't you? In all competitions. What about in the Premier League, Darren? Well, yeah, but the, the, the run I was talking about for Manchester United is in all competitions. Anyone who plays Manchester United can get a goal. Anyone. Does anyone have a fishing rod that I could just chuck Darren's way, by the way? <laughs> Why don't you, want to, why, why, you don't chuck a fishing rod if you're trying to catch. If you're, if you're doing a little bit of uh, fishing, you don't chuck a fishing rod at the fish. It's, it's the hook. It's, it's, the, it's the line and the hook that you, you throw in. Oh, Alex. Are you the correction police this morning or what? We, we'd be nice if you just get something right, if we were completely honest with you. <laughs> um, it's usually entertaining when these two meet, and I'm not just talking about Darren and Alex. I'm talking about West Ham and Tottenham. The last the four fish, games between chuck them. Chuck your rod at it. <laughs> They've featured 16 goals. Hold on, I'm just going to go out and catch myself some dinner. Where's my rod? I'm just going to chuck it at a big whale. Uh, it won't surprise you to know that I've never really been a fisherman. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. There's a lot more to those 90 minutes than what goes down on the pitch. With the latest odds, form guides and expert opinions, you'll know the score with Labrooks. Odds update on Talk Sport with Labrooks. Are you in? Let's go. Play at labrooks.com, 18 plus, be gambleaware.org. T's and C's apply. Okay, let's move on to Arsenal against Aston Villa on Friday night, 8 o'clock. Aston Villa unlucky to lose to Wolves at the weekend and they'll be dead set to get back to winning ways on Friday night. They take on Arsenal, an Arsenal side that don't like being harassed, don't like being harried. And certainly Aston Villa will copy the Crystal Palace blueprint and try and do that on Friday night, Darren. Yeah, they will. Um, Listen, this has been a a really instructive week for me because I've watched Arsenal live, Chelsea live ahead of this. Sorry, after we record this, I'm going to go and see West Ham live. So I'm getting to see a lot of these clubs close up and watching Arsenal on Monday night. It's remarkable. They're a side that don't like pressing, don't like tackling, just like to pass the ball. But the problem is they can be dominated at home as they were by Crystal Palace on Monday night. And if Villa go there with the same belief and the same intensity to press to Harry, they'll score goals for sure. Um, They've got a better forward line than Crystal Palace. And it's just really a case of whether they can hold out because Aston Villa liked to concede a late goal just as Palace did the other day. 
Arsenal are there for the taking because their unbeaten run papers over the cracks, just like Manchester United's run of form is doing at the moment. And they are going to come up against a well-organised side that can press, that can finish off their chances, that are decisive in the final third, and they'll get beaten convincingly. And that's when the rot will start for Arteta. At the moment, he's so lucky he should be doing his lottery numbers. Uh, He's probably won the lottery already by getting charge of a side that I think possibly is a little bit bigger than him at the moment. Or what he could do. I mean, he's, he's so lucky at the moment, he could probably go to his nearest sort of harbour and just chuck a couple of fishing rods and get a <laughs> massive catch and take it to market. Arsenal considered twice at home to Crystal Palace and those goals were born of individual errors, uh, but they show good character uh, to fight back. Uh, Lacazette always comes off the bench and makes a, a, a difference. I, I've never really understood why they don't really find a place for him in the team group. It's the conundrum, isn't it, of how you play Aubameyang and, and Lacazette together. Um, Arteta is not the first manager to struggle to find a way. But I actually think their comeback was as much about Crystal Palace, that change that Vieira made, uh, bringing on Tompkins late in the game and, and really inviting pressure that, than Arsenal showing any great character. In fact, I felt it was quite an arrogant Arsenal performance. They started the game really well, scored the early goal and then played the rest of it in their slippers. Almost felt like they'd done enough by going one that up and um, that, that would worry me as an Arsenal fan and, and there were a lot of uh, dissenting voices on social media and again I think Darren's right you, you have to take their unbeaten run with a pinch of salt that it deserves because apart from Brighton um, possibly Palace on, on Monday they haven't really played anybody who should challenge Arsenal uh, certainly not Arsenal at their pomp if Aston Villa can play as well as they did in the match that I commentated at Old Trafford a few weeks ago away from home they'll win the game But I don't quite know what I'm going to get with Aston Villa at the moment. You had that dreadful opening day performance in losing to Watford. You had the capitulation in the second half against Wolves. I feel like they are still a work in progress. The likes of Buendia still finding his way. Danny Ings to a certain extent as well. So I can't predict this game with any great certainty. Probably neither side to keep a clean sheet if you were asking me to absolutely stick my neck out. Grab the popcorn, turn off all distractions. The show has started. Comes out to the edge of the area, and it's dropped home by Ben Chilwell at Chelsea lead. In the moment, we find our ways to win the games, but we lack a bit of form, we lack a bit of freshness, we lack a bit of joy. Norwich at the other end, well, zero shots for them inside the box, still without a win. Newcastle United have just confirmed Steve Bruce has left the football club and he has left his position as head coach. If you're down... At the bottom three is Christmas time. It's hard getting away from relegation. Hudson Edward has scored for Crystal Palace. And here's Mope. Neil Mope doubles the lead for Brighton. Jesus inside the area who turns the ball brilliantly into the net via a deflection. And Manchester City take the lead. This is why we love game day here on Talk Sport. This is why we own Saturday. Chelsea Crews through their midweek Champions League exertions against Malmo despite losing both frontline strikers in the first half of that game. Romelu Lukaku and Timo Werner, I think they're going to both be out of this encounter. They both didn't look particularly great. Darren was at the game. How much could that harm them against a Norwich team still looking for their first win, Crook? Probably not much, <laughs> to be honest. Um, I'm chuckling because if there's one game you could afford to be without those two players, it is Norwich at home. But I'm also annoyed um, as one of the fantasy managers who stuck with Lukaku, despite the fact that he's not scoring particularly freely at the moment, I thought, well, listen, he's got Norwich at home. I'll make him captain. He'll probably get a hat-trick. And now he's not going to get that opportunity. But if you're asking me if Chelsea have enough without those two players to beat the worst team in the Premier League, then the answer is an emphatic yes. Um, in the Premier League, Chelsea have been solid at yet unspectacular I think is how I've seen it described but Mason Mount was in great nick on Wednesday night Darren and Chelsea approached that game I think better than I've seen them approach games in the last couple of weeks they were on the front foot right from the very beginning and they picked apart Malmo at will yeah in the press box we were talking amongst ourselves about the speed that they were playing with they didn't let Malmo settle once. They moved the ball really quickly. They found themselves in the box. Malmo were there to keep the score down. They were bottom of the group anyway. But sometimes you can disrespect teams like that and go out there with a poor attitude. And just as Crook was saying a second ago in relation to Arsenal, just as we've seen Man United do with teams uh, very often this season and last. But Chelsea were 
at it from the first whistle. Uh, Lukaku was injured in a tackle that won his team a penalty in the box. And at first he looked like he was going to try and run it off, but it was only two minutes before he decided he couldn't do it. Can they continue without him? I think they can because they've got Norwich this weekend, Southampton, they wouldn't have played in that game anyway, uh, Lukaku or Werner. Maybe Werner, I'm not sure. but And then after that, they've got Newcastle. And I think even if Newcastle get a new manager, they'll still win because they've got so much strength in depth. I think it will be easy for them. I think Kai Havertz will play as the false nine. He scored a wonderful goal last night. And as the head coach, uh, Thomas Tuchel, said, now the race is on for somebody to come in and take over, score the goals, stake a claim and give him a selection problem. But they're so good. They're top of the league and they're nowhere near their best yet. I think they'll be fine. That is true. They're nowhere near their their, their best yet. I mean, it must be pointed out as well that prior to uh, his injury, which does look like a little bit of a bad hamstring injury, Timo Werner missed another unbelievable presentable chance uh, in which he, he had the ball squared to him by Lukaku, found him perfectly, and he just didn't open up his foot. His foot was closed. His body was closed. It hit the inside of his ankle from two yards out and went wide of the goal. I mean, no one's talking about it because he got injured and Chelsea won 4-0, so it it doesn't matter. But he has missed so many chances. And I I don't know whether or not that's a good thing or a bad thing. I mean, it's a good thing in the fact that he always seems to be in the right place at the right time. And imagine if he could finish those chances. If he did, I mean, he'd be unbelievable. So it's a, a real strange conundrum that Thomas Tuchel has sort of wrestled with. And I wonder whether or not he's sort of persisted with playing the two up front with Werner alongside Lukaku over the last couple of weeks to sort of almost try and get over that hump because we know that this is a guy that scores in rashes. Yeah, but missing chances is not a new problem. Um, no, no, I remember Kevin Hatchard. <laughs> no, I remember Kevin Hatchard when he was first signed. So this is a guy who gets himself in a lot of goal-scoring chances, but he needs a number of opportunities to actually stick the ball in the back of the net, I do think his finishing has got worse um, since he arrived at Chelsea, which is in itself quite impressive. And I just think Chelsea have to accept now that he's a hardworking player. He's a good foil for the likes of Lukaku and Havertz, but he isn't going to step up and score goals in the Premier League with the regularity that a striker should. He's found Huang who can burst into the area. Left foot shot, brilliant finish. And Newcastle... That really is the story of their season so far. The new people now in charge of this football club know exactly what they've inherited. The side at the moment that is actually second bottom of the Premier League. Newcastle United have just confirmed Steve Bruce has left the football club and he has left his position as head coach. It is absolutely the right decision. This couldn't have been allowed to fester. The key is for this football club, it would be a waste of time for them to get relegated. It's unnecessary. They've got enough talent going forward. Hudson Edward has scored for Crystal Palace. I think we are really close of um, getting what we want, winning football matches. And it's important for, for us to turn those good performances into um, a wins. TalkSport 2 has Crystal Palace against Newcastle and the Graham Jones era begins. What will he bring, Darren? Not very much. He's part of the Steve Bruce regime. He wasn't great at Bournemouth. I'm probably being a little bit harsh, but you know, sometimes we can talk around these things when the facts are that if you're going to make the change, you need to be decisive and bring the new regime in straight away. I think Palace will win. I think Palace will learn from late goals they've conceded in some of their most recent games. I think they've got too much in their forward line. Benteke scoring his first goal of the season. Edward scoring a superb second against Arsenal. I, I just think they'll be too good. San Maximin's a wonderful player. Uh, Callum Wilson obviously will always score goals, but that defence just... To coin an old phrase, I think Newcastle think defence is what you put around a the garden. They're going to get beaten. <laughs> Graham Jones has only ever really been a frontline manager once before that was at Luton Town um, he has spent a lot of time with Roberto Martinez he spent a lot of time as the assistant to a number of different managers Crook um, but stepping into the shoes at Newcastle United might be a little bit easier for him because he's just not Steve Bruce so he's going to get a lot of goodwill initially isn't he? Yes, he will. Um, But I think he's gone on record himself as saying he's a better coach than he is a manager. And what I I find a bit surprising, I know this takeover happened more quickly than maybe 
um, the new owners expected, but they've been trying to buy Newcastle for a long time now. So you would have thought they would have had a plan in place in terms of the manager they wanted to bring in. It should almost have been lined up before the cheque was even signed. And from what I understand, the reason Steve Bruce did limp on into the weekend was because the Saudis didn't understand the concept of a, of a caretaker manager. They wanted someone to come in permanently. So I, I find that a little bit odd. I'm not sure how many games Graham Jones will get. But I agree with Darren. This is a this is a, a difficult match for him to be pitched into. Although Palace have only won one game this season, their performances probably have been better than their points tally at this moment in time. Yeah, they were excellent at hounding Ma- uh, Arsenal on Monday. We mentioned that. Unless there's a major upturn in the way Newcastle approached the game, there's only one winner here because they were destroyed by Tottenham after what was a bright start. But Palace seemed to start slowly themselves. They've scored only one goal from open play in the first half in their last 13 home matches. But their atmosphere is going to be great, isn't it? I mean, it always is at Selhurst Park. Um, I think that Crystal Palace under Patrick Vieira have surprised one or two, Darren, with the way that they approach the game. I think Conor Gallagher obviously has been fantastic. Edouard's taken to life in the Premier League very, very well. And even Christian Benteke is scoring goals. And the goal that he scored the other night, by the way, was a very good, neat and tidy finish. I think he's only really surprised, uh, Vieira, he's only really surprised the people who aren't open-minded enough about football and have got very fixed ideas because his recruitment has always been good. I remember um, some of the good players that he has worked with in the past, like Jack Harrison, who's potentially saw very early before Harrison became a star at Leeds. And... If you look at Palace and you look at Newcastle, Palace are a side that were evolving all the time. So it's okay to look at the fact that they've only won one game so far, but you can see what he's trying to do. You can see that he's trying to build an identity and you can see that the goals will come. All of the things that he wants to instill into that side, they will come. Whereas Newcastle, they're a side that are just in a mess, take out the forward line and they are just a dog's dinner of a football team. Um, so I think Palace absolutely, under Vieira, they will thrive and they will do exactly what they wanted him to do, which is evolve the team since he uh, and move on from the days of Roy Hodgson. The doubts that I had about them were, were purely to do with the recruitment. I mean, honestly, I, I, I thought if you turn over that many players and you allow that many players to leave and try and bring in too many players... It's going to be difficult. It's going to take time for them to get started. That proved to be the case, actually. It did take them a little while to get those players into the team. But Patrick has always been and was... I mean, he's a brilliant character, Patrick, because he's remembered for this hard man image in the Premier League and this wonderful, elegant footballer that had that horrible, nasty edge to him as well. If you ever meet Patrick and spend any time in Patrick's company, he is the most laid-back, diplomatic, casual character... Ever. I mean, this is a guy who, during the summer when we were doing the European Championships, was diffusing rows between Wrighty and Keane in the, in the green room at ITV when they sort of have a go at one player or the other. And he was just like, you know, he was the voice of reason, the laid back voice of reason, usually sitting back on his mobile phone, speaking to some UEFA representative or uh, some other contact he'd got in the game. He was just going about his business very casually and elegantly. I mean, he. I imagine he's quite a sort of inspirational guy to work for. Listen, I have my doubts about Patrick Vieira um, based on his coaching CV and based on the fact that he wasn't Palace's top choice. I think that was a, a big concern. You know, they had this shortlist that became longer by the week and ended up stumbling almost on Patrick Vieira. But I didn't have concerns about the recruitment because I felt it was a squad that needed an overhaul. And I think the players that he signed, young hungry players, as Darren says, you can see an identity there. You can see a, a plan, whether it succeed or not and I think it probably will succeed based on what we've seen so far so I don't have those kind of fears anymore and here's Mope Neil Mope doubles the lead for Brighton we're an ambitious team we want to try and win every game that we play in but we know that the opponent is also really really good and Brighton have the lead and it is Lewis Dunk with a thumping header from the corner I think we've just trusted the process and kept doing what we were doing and what we believe in and we're getting rewarded for it. Forced to Jesus inside the area who turns the ball brilliantly into the net via a 
deflection and Manchester City take the lead. I had the feeling we are performing really well lately. This is so important and uh, of course we had an incredible tough period with the tough games and we are not top of the league but we are close. Well I think Liverpool and City are a, are a step ahead of everybody else. I can't see anybody beating these two. So if you finish above these two you definitely win the league. Brighton against Manchester City, TalkSport 5.30 on Saturday. Are we back in familiar territory with Brighton firing blanks despite some good approach play? Because against Manchester City, Darren, that could be fatal. Yeah, it could be because City are just in imperious form at the moment. 15 different scorers in all competitions. The joint highest number with uh, Chelsea at the moment and they're firing on all cylinders. Um, I think it's, I don't want to guess at the number, but I will guess it. I think it's something like 30 goals that have scored in, in their most recent batch of games. So Brighton are going to have it all to do to live with a, a City side that are able to cope easily without having a point man. Foden was brilliant the other day. Cole Palmer is going to start to be integrated into the first team, just like Foden was. And I can't see any, anything other than the City win. Yeah, Cole Palmer very heavily involved during uh, pre-season. He wasn't the only young player involved in pre-season, but he was the one that shone. He came off the bench uh, several times and actually played in the Community Shield as well. Um, better side against Arsenal, though, Brighton, nil-nil. Better side against Norwich, nil-nil. Whereas those two sides have problems sticking the ball away, Manchester City do not, as their midweek demolition of Bruce shows. That's exactly what Darren was pointing out. There have been 20 goals in the last five games between these two sides. But I will hazard to suggest that that was probably quite a one-sided ratio. The seesaw very heavily weighted in Manchester City's favour. Yeah, I think Brighton did beat them, didn't they, at the end of of last season? You were there commentating um, midweek. The the crowd was absolutely rocking that night at the Amex. And I think it will be similar. It will be quite an intimidating atmosphere. But Manchester City more than experienced enough to cope with that. They've lost Danny Welbeck to injury, which is the biggest non-surprise of the season, but that is uh, an issue for Brighton because he's certainly a, a good impact player to have coming off the bench and arguably a better finisher actually than Neil Mopay, who's been responsible for missing quite a few good chances in those two stalemates that you mentioned. So yeah, um, maybe there are still signs that, that Brighton are not as ruthless as they need to be, but listen, they made a fantastic start to the season, even if they lose this game and they probably will. Uh, I think Graham Potter is, is doing a fantastic job there and he's right on track. Yeah, in those last uh, four games, it's 5-0, 4-1, 2-0 at Manchester City, uh, at Brighton for Manchester City, and then that 3-2 victory. And when you said I commentated on that game, I thought to myself, did I? And then I was, you know, sure, I've done quite a lot of matches, but sometimes you can't remember the games. I can remember that night, the biscuits that Hugh Wozencroft bought to the match. I can't remember the match. I can remember what it felt like to be in there. I can see it in my mind's eye, the, the floodlights on, bit of a grisly night, bit cold, whatever. But the only thing that stands out for me are the biscuits that Hugh Wozencroft brought because that was the night that he realised I really like custard creams and he's been bringing them ever since. Uh Hi, Lucy. Hello, you're right. Yeah, you're okay. We haven't heard you uh, heard from you for a couple of weeks because you you weren't particularly. Uh, we, we, I don't know if you were well or your Wi-Fi wasn't well. One of the two. Um, it was we, my Wi-Fi, and it? funny enough, although I wasn't on the recording, I could hear you lot speaking about me when I edited. And we were all all lovely about you, I think. Well, Crook, Crook, and Darren were all right, Sam, but you know. I, I think I said actually one of the boys said there's quite a bit of editing for Lucy there, and I said, well, tough. She should have turned up then, or something like that. Is that what it was? It was, but it was a little bit more rude than that. Um, and uh, I feel like she's got a bit of work to do today. Well, she didn't turn up, so we just gave her more to do. So <laughs> have that, Luce. <laughs> Love you. <laughs> I hope that will be reflected in the difficulty of his questions. Oh, there we go. Then. Come on, then. Let's, let's get on with it. Right, so the quiz this week is going to be on Saturday's game, Leeds against Wolves. Ooh. So, Sam, I'm going to start with you. So if I fancied going to this game on Saturday on the train from King's yeah. Cross to Leeds and back, what's the cheapest ticket I could get? Why would you, if you're a Wolves fan, be going from King's Cross for a start? Because it's me. I'm going. Oh, right. From London. <laughs> but you live in Newbury, so why would you go from King's Cross? 
Because it's her quiz. Oh. Uh, okay, I reckon the uh, ticket Thank from uh, King's Cross to Leeds, probably £37. Incorrect. You can tell you haven't travelled standard class for a while, Sam. <laughs> Darren? Um, yeah, I think it'll be a bit more expensive then. I'm going to go with £57. Close. Crook? 65. Bang on, 65 quid, 20 pence. Googled, Googled, Googled. I didn't actually, genuinely didn't. Yeah, right. Right, Darren, what colour is the Leeds United third kit this season? I want to say yellow, but I think that might be... Uh, I'm going to say yellow. Incorrect, Crook. Is it black and green? Incorrect, Sam. I think it might be dark blue. It's not. It's lilac. Is it? Yeah, it is. It's lilac. How disappointing. Right. right. Crook, what position did former Wolves boss Nuno play in during his career? Oh. He was a goalkeeper. Correct. Oh, oh that, that was a tap-in. <laughs> <laughs> hey, do you know, I, I always get disappointed when you give Crook easy ones because I just love seeing him squirm when you ask him random ones and he thinks it's a fix. Yeah, like, what's your name? What do we use to go fishing with? I'm here watching through my fingernails thinking, oh my goodness, this is going to be so tense. <laughs> <laughs> Scores, Lucy? Uh, Darren is still in the lead with eight points and then joint second, you and Sam are both on 7.5. Lucy, it's been lovely to hear from you once again. You too. All right, I know you're lying, but thanks a lot. Brentford against Leicester is two o'clock on Sunday. Thomas Frank will hope that Brentford play like they did last Saturday when they dominated Chelsea. Uh, Leicester have got a game on their hands. I think the Bees restricted the Blues to just one shot on target. But, Darren, that might be tricky against the Leicester side who have scored eight goals in two matches. Yeah, and Pat Sandaka has his feet very much under the table. First Zambian to play in the Premier League, scored four goals the other day. Now, I actually didn't see the match. I was just ref um, refreshing it. I didn't see it live. I was re refreshing it on the way uh, to my game at Chelsea. And each time I looked down, I was like, he scored again and again and again. And in all seriousness, anyone who saw his form for his previous club will not be surprised by the fact that this boy knows where the goal is. I think even though Brentford are proving a very, very difficult side for, uh, particularly at home, uh, as a surprise package for rival teams to cope with, I think that Pats and Daka gives them a hell of a lot to cope with as well. Vardy on his own is a problem. Vardy and Daka, good luck. Yeah, I think that he's taken a bit of time to edge himself into the team. He, I mean, in pre-season, I saw him in the Community Shield. He came off the bench in that game and he made a little bit of an impact against Manchester City. Certainly someone who they think that over the course of the next year, two years, is going to become more and more of a frontline player, especially as that Jamie Vardy gets on in years. He did become the first Leicester player in 63 years to score four goals for the club in one game. Um, he's got a lot of speed, he's got guile, and he does score goals as his record his previous club has already shown. Brentford have lost just two games, though, of their 10 matches this season. And this is at Brentford. And, and it is a tough, tough place to go for anybody, Alex. Yeah, and I think Brentford have weapons in their armoury to hurt this Leicester side. Yes, they've scored eight goals in the last two games, but they've conceded five. And defensively, they looked over all over the shop at times. So I think Thomas Frank, with those long throws, those aerial balls into the box, with a combination between Tony and Embuemo will believe that he can get at the Leicester defence. Having said all that, I think it's been a real confidence-boosting week for Leicester because it's been a difficult start to the season. Uh, Brendan Rodgers has gone on record and said that himself. The fact they've beaten Manchester United in a bit of a ding-dong affair and shown the character to come from 2-0 down away from home in a match they had to win in the Europa League or they were pretty much a bit out of that competition, I think will set them in good stead. Um, I'm commentating this game between... Sport International. I'm looking forward to it. I think it's a great matchup. Um, and I think it's difficult at the moment to say with any certainty which team will win. I could actually see a 2 2 draw. Um, Crook was a bit snobbish on Sunday night's podcast. And I noticed that he just injected it into that answer there, Darren, about the way that uh, Brentford go about their business, you know, throwing long balls into the box, sort of almost comparing them a little bit to Wimbledon of the 90s. 
Yeah, I did, I did notice a little bit of yeah. that. Bit snobbish, that bit snobbish, that. It lacks subtlety, doesn't it? Their play, but listen, different folks, different strokes. I think I got that saying right, didn't I? Different folks with different strokes. <laughs> did, did you just say that? You said it the wrong way round after, and then tried you to said boast it the that, wrong way around. And then tried to boast that you got one saying right. What is the matter with you? It's different. It's very early because of Darren folks. Lewis. It's, not even nine o'clock yet. I've only had one cup what of coffee. What are you talking about, Willis? <laughs> oh, dear. You've had, you've, you've had a Western, haven't you, today? Uh, Southampton against Burnley, three o'clock on Saturday. Southampton needed their first win of the season. I think they, they sort of they got that against Leeds. Gives them a bit of confidence. And they were full value for it, by the way, as well. They, I mean, they had several other chances during that game. They were the better side, no doubt. But they face a Burnley team this weekend who are looking for their first win as well. And why is it me? that I, I, I just think that Saints are, are, are likely to alleviate some pressure, then invite it again. Dealing with that aerial approach from Burnley, who fling balls in from all angles, might prove very tricky, Crook. Yeah, although I think defensively, Southampton have been reasonably sound um, this season. It's at the other end where their chance conversion rate is not particularly good. That's been the problem. I can see why you feel they might take one step forward and, and two back. That's been the way certainly since the turn of the year. But this is, again, quite a key game for them. The second in a sequence of matches where you really feel on paper they should be picking up points. They've still got Norwich and Watford to come in the immediate future as well. But Burnley are a dangerous opponent because even against Manchester City, they created opportunities, didn't take them. You feel they will get some chances this weekend. And they need that win, don't they, sooner rather than later. You predicted Burnley would struggle at the start of the season. There's been nothing to disprove that at this moment in time. So this is a game really where both teams need to go all out for victory and it might make for quite an entertaining affair. I'm there for uh, game day around the grounds. Yeah, I'm still reeling from um, the Newcastle takeover and everybody else um, who is moaning about the Newcastle takeover is, is accused by Newcastle fans of being jealous. I'm not jealous in one uh, shape or form at all. I'm not jealous at all. What I'm annoyed about is the fact that I predicted Norwich, Newcastle and Burnley to go down at the beginning of the season, got 50-1 to 1 on it at the bookmakers. And now I'm in a situation where Burnley and Norwich are really struggling. Newcastle are in the bottom three, but I know for a fact they ain't going to be in the bottom three by the end of the season. So, you know, my bet is definitely not going to come in. Um, Everton against Watford, 3pm Saturday. Uh, reimagining of the 1984 FA Cup final. Uh, Everton take on Watford. Uh, Everton uh, without Dominic Calvert-Lewin. He suffered a setback on his quad injury. And that's uh, a bit of a pain for uh, not only him, but for... Rafa Benitez as well. And, and Ducure sustained an injury. But Richarlison could be back. And boy, would he fancy taking on that Watford defence, who surely can't be as bad as they were last week. Uh, but I'm not sure that a week is enough to sort that lot out, Darren Lewis. No, you're right. Not only were they bad, but some of them didn't look in shape. Um, I said last week, didn't I? And I don't mean to say it to be rude or disrespectful, but I just, the whole Claudio Ranieri dilly-ding-dilly-dong thing doesn't really work for me. I think... It, considering where Watford are, they need somebody who's going to go in with a clear idea, strategy, and a way of motivating a group of players that at the moment are all over the place. They have lost five of their last seven games. Uh, obviously, one of them was in the EFL Cup. And I think that Everton, even though they've got no Calvert-Lewin, Rondon is getting up to speed. You sling balls in there up front for him and he'll score. Richarlison back as well will give them all sorts of problems. The bigger miss for me is Decore in midfield because I don't think he gets the credit he deserves. And I think that they will dominate Watford and it'll be fairly straightforward, particularly with the game being at Goodison Park. Yeah, Everton have lost just two of their last 10 matches this term. Um, do you see this as a Everton victory, Crook? Probably, um, although I think the continued absence of Calvert-Lewin is a concern. I thought Rondon was really poor um, in the game last weekend, got himself into some presentable uh, places and just never really had the conviction to look like he would trouble the goalkeeper. Stop back, give him time. Give him time. He doesn't give anybody think, time. He doesn't give anybody he's time. He's got I don't no think patience. He's, he's got I don't think he's particularly good. That's but why he's I never agree. made a very good fisherman. Decore, no <laughs> I'm just going to chuck my rod at it. <laughs> you know what? I'll just stop talking. I think Everton will win, but I don't think it will be as comfortable as, as Darren Lewis suggests. 
<laughs> I've had a really fun morning. I mean, it, I've got to be honest, it was very, very early and we did this just for Darren Lewis. Um, but um, it, it's, been, it's been entertaining. It's, it's almost been as entertaining as Atletico Madrid against Liverpool in midweek, mainly because of so many, a, a, a number of mishaps, a bit like Atletico Madrid and Liverpool in midweek. The, the worry is uh, that Sam is uh, taking Sunday off um, because he's entertaining Perry Groves in Manchester. So I'm in the host chair. So uh, that script, Lucy, you're going to have to go over that with a fine tooth comb. I'm going to have to watch that one through my fingernails. <laughs> yes, we are back on this, uh, Monday morning when you wake up, the game day podcast from TalkSport, uh, having a look at all of the action from the weekend. I will not be here. I'm going to um, the game between Manchester United and Liverpool doing the Sunday session uh, from Old Trafford on Sunday because it is such a, a big game and there might be quite a lot of fallout uh, from it. Um, but yes, Perry and I have got a table booked at a tapas restaurant in King Street in Manchester at 8.30. Um, so we are going to miss the podcast as a result of that. Uh, but you're, you're in Cape... Oh, no, you're not in Capable Hams. You're in Crook's Hands. Uh, so uh, I'm sure it will be... <laughs> I'm sure it'll be absolutely fine. If we've still got any listeners uh, next Thursday, then Darren and I will be back to try and entertain you. Um, right, that's it. Thank you very much for downloading the Game Day podcast. Thanks to Darren Lewis, the assistant editor of The Mirror, and Alex Crook. We'll see you on Monday morning. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. The latest odds, we set them. Form guides, we've got them. Expert opinions, we share them. The best fans in the world deserve the best. Be match day ready before the whistle blows with Ladbrokes. Odds updates on Talk Sport with Ladbrokes. Are you in? Let's go. Play at ladbrokes.com, 18 plus, be gambleaware.org. T's and C's apply. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.